Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as we are going to rip off a few more emails that we've had sitting in the inbox here for a week or so. On the, uh, and we've got, a pretty, we've got a pretty satisfied Frank Madden on the podcast tonight. We've just finished watching the Packers game. I guess uh, Green Bay is looking pretty good to start the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I feel like we we kind of joke as Bucks fans that you know the the Bucks are always in the shadow of of Packer fever, regardless of how good the Packers actually are. It, it's uh it's always kind of hard to find oxygen for other sports teams in the state of Wisconsin. But this year, uh, I'm not complaining. Uh, the Packers having a terrific start to the year, right after the Bucks have their <laughs> uh, let's just say not so great flame out uh, in the bubble. So. Uh, yeah, go Packers. Fun uh, fun start to the year for them, 4-0, and Aaron Rodgers looking great, and hopefully I'm not jinxing it by mentioning that. So shout out Peter Bukowski and the Locked on Packers uh, yeah. podcast. If you, uh, I, I've listened to some of that, listened to, to uh, some of Peter this week, kind of getting into my uh, Packer fandom a little bit. and Also, it helps me forget about the Brewers, who had oh like goodness. one of the weirdest playoff, quote-unquote playoff teams ever this year, like literally could not hit any could not hit a baseball pretty much all year and backdoored their way into the first round of the playoffs and expanded playoffs and then got just summarily dismissed while half their team was injured. So that was pretty kind of a buzzkill for the Brewers season. But uh, I, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I guess you could say the, 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 the uh, Brewers had probably an even sadder and more abbreviated, you know, postseason than the Bucks, but, um, at least nobody expected anything from the Brewers. I, I, if they scored a run in the playoffs, I was going to consider that to be a, a victory. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's your Wisconsin sports locked on Wisconsin sports. Uh, I, we're not done. We're, I guess we we haven't started this podcast yet, but I, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. No, well, it's worth mentioning. It's worth mentioning because I, I think, like you said, uh, we. Us two were, were flat about sports after the way the Bucks went out. And uh, I'm just sensing, I mean, you know, your obviously Twitter timeline is very similar to mine, I would imagine. And there's a lot of basketball people, but also Bucks fans and people we love interacting with, the listeners of the podcast. And it's good to see. I'm not a Packers fan, but it's good to see everyone getting back on board sports. Everyone's feeling a little bit positive again. And as you said, uh, the Brewers season, just the, the whole baseball season in general has just kind of been evaporated by the, uh, the the basketball playoffs running straight into football as well. It's kind of just in the background uh, there. Although I'm an Ace fan, so I guess uh, I guess uh, I guess I still got something to cheer for at the moment. But uh, yeah, as you said, that's the wrap up. That's the Wisconsin sports wrap up. I guess we guess we should hit the emails. Yeah, uh, Nathan Smith, um, aka Muppet Babies. Uh, I think still my favorite. Um, yeah, favorite of the club for uh, sure. Twitter Twitter handle. Yeah. Uh, podcast uh emailer uh nathan asks um nathan's got a few questions <laughs> he's got a few questions so 
<laughs> uh, let's see if we can kind of uh, maybe um, maybe get these get through these quick. The idea of packaging players together for a CP3 type trade is a fun thought, but that'd begin with a team believing Eric Bledsoe has value to them. I don't see OKC taking back Bledsoe in a deal. So what third team do you think he'd be a commodity for? Dallas, Lakers, the Detroit Bucks? Um, I mean, this is a, this is a, uh, first off, I mean, I, I definitely agree with this, right? This is the hardest part of making any type of uh, Eric Bledsoe like centric trade is just, you know, what kind of team wants Eric Bledsoe after the playoff flameouts? And um, I think, I think there are a couple teams here that are named, which I think are, uh, are of, of, of interest or at least relevant um, in, in that. I think um, the Lakers uh, were a team that I, I, kind of thought about even last year i remember before um a year plus ago thinking like hey is there some way you can use uh you know the clutch connection with eric bledsoe and do something with lonzo ball uh as being you know lonzo ball being the, the primary guy coming back in a trade with the lakers of course obviously lonzo now in new orleans um i i don't know that there's really anybody you really particularly want <laughs> from the Lakers uh, in a Bledsoe trade. Um, so that's kind of the problem there. But I think I could definitely see some interest just given the LeBron Bledsoe uh, connections uh, in the past. And just obviously the fact that the Lakers, you know, don't have, well, let's just say the strongest backcourt in the world. Apologies to Rajon Rondo. Who, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, it works out perfectly. You'd have regular season Bledsoe and playoff Rondo. I mean, you'd, you could just, you know, play one, uh, you play Bledsoe mm. 30 minutes per game in the playoffs, Rondo like 15 minutes in the regular season, and then you flip it in, in the playoffs, right? And you make Bledsoe the bench guy and Rondo the – we figured it out. Anyway, that's, that's probably the answer to the, to the, <laughs> to the Bledsoe-Rondo uh, situation, those two Kentucky uh, former point cards. Um, I think Detroit, as, uh, as Nathan mentioned, I think is another interesting one just because, um, you know, you could convince me that Detroit would say – Hey, we want to become a legitimate defensive team. We're we're scrapping for relevance, and you know they're obviously probably not not worried about like what are they going to look like in what is our point guard going to look like in the East Finals at this point. Um, so getting a, an all defensive team uh, point guard who can bring something back to them, maybe that is something that that would be of some appeal. And again, not that you're getting a King's ransom for Eric Bledsoe, but is there? you know, some, some package coming back from there, you know, Luke Kennard's been mentioned, um, you know, Derek Rose has been mentioned as well. I have um, non-basketball reasons why I would not want Derek Rose, but he's obviously resurrected his, his career in Detroit the past couple of years. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think those are probably a couple of reasonable teams. I don't know any other other teams that kind of jump, jump out at you um, as, as maybe would be interested in Eric Bledsoe or what do you think? Uh, first of all, let me just say a lineup of Eric Bledsoe, Tony Snell, Thon Maker, uh, Christian Wood. <laughs> Isn't John Henson? Is John Henson on the Pistons as well? John Henson, throw him in there. Uh, it, it sounds like some. Uh, it sounds like a team that I would probably watch. I would probably watch that team from time to time. I'd have a bit of interest in that team, but yeah, can can the I? Zombucks, the Zombucks, zombies, uh, <laughs> Zombucks, Zombucks. Is that it? Can we can we go with that? I don't know. I, you know, I don't, but I will say this. I, I agree with you hundred percent that there are teams out there that would probably look at Bledsoe. And I've always said this, if you're a contender, maybe not, although the, the Lakers connection does make sense, but here's a guy that'll make your team better, particularly for the Pistons. They'll probably uh, be better if they had Eric Bledsoe in the lineup. The only other team that sort of stands out as a potential option. And again, um, you know, depending on, on what happens in the draft and probably need to get through that and see where, 
uh, players land and, and what kind of situation they're in. But I've always thought that the Knicks was a team the Bucks could have tried to, tried to trade Bledsoe too because, again, uh, we know that the Knicks are always fighting to be relevant. They always want the big fish and they never get them. But Bledsoe is a guy that would, would again, you know, be a legitimate chance uh, to make the team better. So the Knicks has always been a team I've had an eye on as well. But, again, those three-team those three team trades, uh, outside of the outlandish trade machine scenarios you see online, they're kind of hard to... They're kind of hard to predict, but I, I do agree that I think this is the best way the Bucks are going to be able to move on from Bledsoe. Yeah, Knicks are always interesting just because, I mean, you got you got Thibodeau coming in there. I don't I don't think Tibbs is, you know, trying to play the five-year waiting game of, of being good, right? You'd imagine yeah. he probably wants to build Defensive a team that guy. can – Yeah, exactly. Lo- loves guys that play defense and, and would most likely, you think, want to, um, you know, compete right away. Now – you know, <laughs> who do you want from the uh, hmm. from the Knicks uh, coming back? Uh, Alfred Payton has a non-guaranteed eight million next year. Uh, you know, they're not trading RJ Barrett. Um, Frank Nilakina is owed six million dollars next year, which doesn't exactly look like a a great deal. You got Dennis Smith, who's you know just sort of floundered um, since uh, pretty much from the word go. It seems like he's just sort of like been on kind of a dispiriting trajectory. Uh, for quite some time, starting with even in in Dallas, once Luca arrived there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's really a like guy in the Knicks you're you're targeting to get on your team to make you better. Um, but uh, yeah, a three team uh, trade scenario. Yeah, right? exactly. Is there a three team deal? Right, like maybe there is. There is something, but again, we'll, I'll leave it to the the trade machine um, <laughs> aficionados maybe to to try to work through some of that. Okay, I'm going to cut you off now, Frank, and let our listeners know about a couple of our sponsors uh, that help us out with this show every single day, starting with rockauto.com. We know this is the family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Uh, We know this, Frank. Nobody needs to be going out uh, in this time during the pandemic. No one needs to be going out to stores and being around people, you can do this all online, which is exactly why uh, the rockauto.com catalog is such a convenient and easy way to get the parts that you need because that catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. The best thing about it is that the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers like me. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. And then do not forget about the brand new product from Built. It's Built Go. Now, I mentioned this last week, but Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink. But the energy is not fake. It's lasting and it is natural. And I can tell you, it works. I took it before I went for a long run yesterday down at the beach and it was fantastic. Uh, my, My time was sensational. I was feeling good. I was feeling full of energy. Normally, when I'm ready for a nap in the afternoon, uh, I was able to go out and go on this run. So it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. You've got to break through your wall. 
Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in 1.5-ounce packages. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling that you normally get with other products. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. The offer that we have for you guys is brilliant. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Nathan's uh, other question. Um, uh, I'm going to try to pick pick one of these. I think we've talked about this, but predictions for Weth Massey's player option and Sterling Brown's cap hold. Um, my guess is Weth's opt-outs and wants the same contract, one plus one, player option for year two, to garner that extra guaranteed year. Sterling, I have no idea what they do with. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think I've said similar stuff about um, Wes that you know they can basically he can basically opt out and um, and get a basically as a he's he, he's only been the team one year so he's not a bird free agent but he has quote unquote the non bird exception which is actually another form of a bird <laughs> bird exception uh, where you can basically give a guy a twenty percent raise without having to use a like the MLE or anything like that to to pay him so they could give him a twenty percent raise and as Nathan points out you could give him a uh, uh, you know, basically like a, a, a second year option or something like that, kind of like what they did this year, which um, I mean, I would be fine with again, Wes obviously is getting up there in age, but he obviously was a guy that was very useful to this team. And, and again, with the Bucks cash constrained, if you can get a guy that plays, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game competently and, and, you know, does, you know, is able to play offensively. I think Wes obviously has a lot of limitations offensively, but, his one skill set that he still has being able to shoot long threes is, is obviously the, you know, the right one, <laughs> the right one for, for a Bucks team that, that tries to space around Giannis first and foremost. And then obviously just the defensive versatility is obviously a big thing. So that, that would be my guess there. And then Sterling Brown, he's got $2 million cap hold. I, I just, I don't, I just, I know we've talked about him a fair bit. I, I still just guess that, that he's probably elsewhere next year. What, I don't know if I had to put a percentage on it, maybe he's, maybe there's a, I don't know, 20% chance he's back. I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, it, it's kind of tough to say, but obviously he did not, did not give the bucks uh, a lot of, you know, um, ammunition to, to feel optimistic about for, for next year and, and his continued development. But again, I mean, you know, with, with all the constraints and potential tax pressures, I mean, the bucks are going to be needing cheap players and, um, unfortunately for Sterling Brown, I don't, I don't foresee him getting a lot of money offered elsewhere. So he probably would not be difficult to retain if the Bucks did think that he was worth another shot. Yeah, again, just quickly on Sterling, because we have spoke about him. I, I'm just kind of, as we sit here tonight, I, I'm kind of shocked that, uh, you know, I just wouldn't have predicted this at the start of the season, sitting here and saying, well, the qualifying offer, as, as you pointed to, around $2 million, just the touch over $2 million. I just at the start of the season, I just wouldn't have, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have predicted that you'd be able to keep him for that. I, I just, you know, to, to really think about that, I would have said, geez, it must've been a, a pretty disappointing year. But now as we sit here and again, uh, we know there's going to be cap uh, restrictions right around the, the league. And perhaps there isn't the money out there that would have been there before, but I can see an avenue where he's just here on an extremely cheap contract and they know him. They did, they, they certainly be happy to have him in the locker room again so yeah I, I, look uh, i wouldn't blame him for going elsewhere for more money whether or not he gets that anymore uh, i'm just not so sure 
Um, question here from Israel Krause. Hi, I love listening to your podcast. Listen to them almost every day. Thank you, Israel. Uh, I was just wondering what you think about the Bucks getting a hold of Dragic from the Heat in some sort of trade. Let me know what you think. Um, so Dragic is a free agent. Um, that said, I, I know this kind of has come up too, you know, this idea of if you're the Bucks, could you get him for like a mid-level exception type contract, right? Like full mid-level exception type contract. Um, and I think a couple of issues here. One, um, you know, uh, full mid-level is a decent chunk of change. If the cap stays where it is, it's like 9 million bucks. Um, but I think the Bucks are going to have challenges actually being able to keep that full mid-level, just given, again, where the tax was last year and how much money they have committed this year. Um, it, it, it's going to be tricky to offer the full mid-level um, because basically if, if, you, if what you spend, including that on that player, um, takes you above what is called the apron, which is about $6 million over the tax, the tax level was 132 last year, so the apron is about 138. If all of your, basically, if like using more than the tax for mid level would take you to more than 138 the apron, then basically you can't use any more than that. So basically, if you use, um, and th- this actually happened a couple of years ago when the Bucks signed uh, yeah. Ursan Elisova for more than the mid level on July 1st, um, they actually hard capped themselves at the apron, but it, it, we didn't talk about it much because they were so far from actually being able to do that. And obviously, they didn't go over the tax. But this year, there's actually, you know, if they actually tried to use the full mid-level, I mean, it'd be almost inescapable that they'd be over the tax um, if it stays where it is, which isn't a guarantee. Like, it's possible the cap could stay the same and they, you know, the league could opt to, for instance, raise the tax or, you know, even get rid of the tax for a year. I mean, it's such an, an un... Uh, we're in such uncharted territory, obviously, with the pandemic and the huge financial losses that obviously teams are incurring relative to what they would in a normal year without, you know, with fans. Um, but there's a chance that, you know, again, something like that happens where maybe there isn't a luxury tax this year. Um, that said, until further notice, I'm just assuming that basically the league will just sort of carry forward what they did last year. They'll increase the escrow amount so that essentially players will make less money because they have to ensure a 50-50 split of basketball revenue with, with, with the owners. But at least in terms of what the official cap numbers are, they would basically keep them relatively flat. And then essentially they'd sort of claw back, you know, whatever is necessary at the end of the year, but the cap stuff would still work somewhere. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the, the, the problem here is, um, you know, you're probably not going to have, it's probably going to be hard to have the full mid-level to work with anyway. And I, I think the most likely scenario, if, if you're the Heat, you know, I mean, we're sitting here talking with the Heat down 2-1. Uh, Dragic is, seems like he's out probably for the rest of the finals due to that plantar fascia injury, which unfortunately uh, cut short his, his playoff run, which has been obviously very impressive. But even Dragic, whatever he is, he's, I think he's like 33, 34. Um, you know, they have their eyes on the 2021 free agency. Seems like the obvious thing for them to do would be to just run back with the current team give him like a big one-year contract that's more than the mid-level and, you know, just give themselves another shot to kind of see what happens next year. And again, uh, is he going to turn down, you know, a big one-year, like a $15 million one-year offer or something like that from the Heat uh, to instead take less money but over multiple years from a team like the Bucks? I, I mean, I guess it's possible, but I, I don't see it, right? I don't think that probably makes financial sense for him. And you know, he's. If I'm him, I'd probably be pretty happy being being with the Heat right now. I think it's it's obviously worked out pretty well, and he's got a really nice role there. Even if 
Um, he actually didn't even start for for long stretches of the season. So that that's my view. I I would just I don't really see. I'd be surprised if he lands elsewhere other than Miami. But but again, maybe some team out there offers him you know a lot of money. But um, that's obviously a, a big risk too, just given given his age. Yeah, I think probably his playoff performance has played him out of contention for the Bucks, as you pointed to. Played him 59 games in 2019-20. Only started three of them. And really, he really came into the starting lineup. And whether or not Spolstra would have gone down this path either way, or, you know, we don't really know. But Kendrick Nunn started for a lot of the season. And then uh, he missed time coming back on the return. Dragic has gone in and just been on an absolute tear. Uh, the year before, he was injury prone in 2018-2019. Didn't play a lot uh, either. So he was kind of a guy that you probably would have been within your rights to believe that he was starting to drop off and perhaps his career was going to tail off. And now he's had this incredible bubble run. He's probably got uh, at least another you know, high-earning year left in him, as you sort of said. I, I don't think Miami is going to do anything to jeopardize the 2021 uh, free agency that they have uh, sort of been planning everything and gearing everything towards. So, yeah, I, I think with the way Miami have played this year, I think they'll look at the East. And I spoke about the East with Justin a couple of days ago and we spoke about the other contenders, how you know the East is going to be pretty strong next year, but I do think that Miami are a team that will look at this and say, well, okay, first year with Jimmy, Bam's only getting better. Tyler Hero was a rookie. See what he's done in this season and think that if they can sign Dragic, then there's really no reason why they can't compete and make another playoff run as well and still keep their options open for free agency. So yeah, I, I would be surprised if he was someone uh, that the Bucks were going to be able to acquire, and particularly uh, for that lower-end deal. He's just been too good in the postseason. And, of course, he's ended up injured at, at the end. So, potentially, uh, it's, it's, potentially he's going to be overpaid uh, based on his, his recent injury history, potentially, uh, uh, particularly 2018-19. But I think he's earned it. I think he's earned it. And I think Miami will probably try and bring him back. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we'll we'll see if uh, if there's any uh, it, where he lands if 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 someplace other than Miami. But but certainly I, Miami seems like a team that would, in the large part, be running it back if, if for no other reason than um, than they are you know again are a team that that is looking at 2021 cap spaces, maybe a a bigger priority than uh, than uh, than anything else. I will say, um, I will just quickly jump in and say that Dragic and the way that he played in the postseason, I mean, that is the type of guy you would love on the roster, his ability to create and how crafty he is. And I just pulled up his basketball reference page. I can't even remember the fact that he was an all-star in 2017-18. So an all-star just a couple of years ago in Miami. That's, that's completely slipped my mind. Yeah. Um, question from Logan Behrens. Um, I don't think we hit, hit Logan's question earlier. So he, he had a few of them. Uh, let me pick one here. Um, with the potential of trading a draft pick, would you trade the Indiana pick? My take is they should probably use the pick, not trade it, and maybe even buy a second rounder if possible, try to replenish the bench with some youth. Mm-hmm. The picks I would look to trade are future first. I believe they have 2024 enough picks to trade. Curious to hear your thoughts on how best to use the few draft assets the Bucks have left. Um, what's, uh, what's your mindset with regard to this first round pick? Um, I mean, We've been talking, obviously, in some of these different trade scenarios about, obviously, this, you know, the, the 2020 pick as well as uh, the 2024 and after pick, um, you know, being on the table, right? If, if you're talking about certain quality levels of, levels of player, 
I mean, what's your general sense of this? I mean, how high is the bar, I guess, for you um, to, to make a deal here? I mean, you know, we've seen <laughs> obviously the Tony Snell version of, of using the pick, you know, basically using it to salary dump uh, and get nothing back and purely just to create room to, to resign free agents, which they did a year ago. That's obviously, um, I don't think any, I don't think that's something that anybody uh, would, would say would make sense this year, especially because, you know, they're, if, if they're making a, a cap related move, it's basically be to avoid the tax. And I don't even know what that would really even be, right? I mean, is it you're trading the first to just get off a Bledsoe's contract? You know, I mean, it, I, I, the problem for the Bucks is I don't think they can even really, they don't, you know, I guess the good news is they don't have really just flat out bad players making a lot of money, right? All their players that make money are pretty good. Um, when then you have Bledsoe, who's obviously pretty good in the regular season, but there's just problems in the postseason. So, you know, are you going to use a, a pick to just literally salary dump him? I don't think so. I think they would need to get a player back that they think can play. So I, I don't know. I mean, what's, what's kind of your mindset and in, in terms of how willing you are to move that, that pick or, you know, would this part of you say, Hey, you know what, I'd, I'd be happy to keep that pick and, and use it on a player and see if you can develop another guy for the rotation. Kind of like what we saw with Dante DiVincenzo a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's really tough because we keep coming back to this. The fact that the asset chest for the bucks is just so bad so it's difficult when you look at a trade and and all the guys that we've potentially thrown up there i know that you know cp3 is obviously the first one but we spoke about drew holiday last week on this on the show we spoke about you know even a guy like buddy healed um and you know if you're bringing back someone that you you really think is going to bring you closer to winning the championship in the next two years um and you know i, I guess if you want to be short-sighted about it, you have to say the next year, depending on what happens with Giannis, then I think that you do it. I mean, this isn't a pick. This is pick 24. I mean, we're not talking about a pick that's in the top 15 that you think that there's a genuine chance that you can get a, a star. I mean, potentially you could get a diamond in a rough for sure. I mean, it happens every single draft, but it's pick 24. And from everyone that I speak to, I don't profess to be a, a draft expert, but I talk pretty regularly with uh, Sam Vecini from The Athletic and uh, he, let's just say he's not very excited about this draft, particularly outside the first couple of players. So, again, does the pick even have great value in, in a trade? I'm not 100% sure. So, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it would depend what, who the player was going to be. I would love to think that the Bucks could bring back, and we had a question last week in the mailbag. I would love to think that the Bucks could make a trade for a younger player with a bit of upside and if you're trading a first round pick, then maybe I would feel a bit better in, in that regard. And I know, you know, Buddy Heald is not someone that's actually that young, as you pointed out. I mean, he's 27, 28, but given the demographic of the, the roster, there's just no, they just don't have any young, exciting talent outside of DiVincenzo. And it becomes really hard to make moves. And we're finding that this, this off season, when we talk about trades, it's really difficult to make moves if you don't have young, exciting talent that you can actually entice other teams into uh, making a move. So uh, in some respects, I sit back and say, well, look, if you do take someone with pick 24 and he shows a little bit on a good team, but he doesn't play a lot, then maybe that's at least an asset that you can trade that is actually a, a person, an athlete that's played games that's shown a little bit of promise rather than a pick 24. So would you be better off drafting a player and then hoping that uh, that becomes something that you could trade even uh, later on that season or, or next off season. I don't know. I mean, it, they're just in such a difficult position right now. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Dante pick is, is looking like a, a 
you know, a good one um, with the way he's contributed. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, yeah, I mean, the Bucks' draft history also not really, not, not really uh, room for you know providing a lot of reason for optimism about them being able to, you know, con- you know, take that draft capital, especially later in the draft, and you know, even more so in a draft that's you know people are talking about as being. I don't. Know, I don't know if historically weak is the right way to describe it, but um, it, not really not a, a year that you know you would value the picks at higher. Let's just say that maybe it's probably a, an overly diplomatic way of of framing this year's draft. But um, but yeah, I would say that the the probability of getting a player in in this year's draft that at you know at, at where the Bucks are picking that makes a real positive impact on your rotation this year or, or even, you know, this coming year or the year after just not very high. (laughs) And uh, on the one hand, you know, the challenge is for the bucks is, you know, if Giannis wants to stay here, then, you know, you, you want to build for the long term as well. And you, you got to kind of balance those things as as you're alluding to. But um, I I think the sweet spot is what you're alluding to, you know, is there a a move for a player that's still in their twenties, you know, um, you know, CP3 is sort of the extreme example. I mean, he's the most talented player that you that you could swing for, which you know, again, seems like it's kind of a no go uh, for whatever reason. Giannis seemingly not interested in CP3, um, but um, he's also obviously the oldest good player that you could target, and he's again probably still the best. But uh, there's obviously a lot of other different ways that you can go, and I think if you you know. Let's just say this, you know, if, if you could use that pick to target a guy that, again, was in his, let's say, mid-20s coming off a, a rookie contract and, and, again, hopefully still having room to improve and, and maybe having some upside, you know, Derek White is, again, probably from the Spurs, mm-hmm. probably my favorite example of that type of player. And, again, not saying that I don't think the, the first pick on it or the, the first round pick by itself gets you Derek White by any stretch. But um, if some draft pick some first round pick plus uh, you know, some contracts, right? Like I eat Bledsoe um, plus, you know, gets you, gets you Derek white and whatever other contracts need to be included on the Spurs side. Obviously we would both happily take <laughs> Patty Mills <laughs> as salary filler. I don't think we're expecting, expecting that, but, uh, but to me that would be, you know, again, I, I don't know how reasonable it is to think that there's a deal like that out there. Um, but that would at least be more in the kind of para- probably the parameters of uh, of what we'd be, I would say, excited about, interested in, etc. Um, should we park it there for for now? I think we've put in put in a decent a decent chunk of time on these. We we still have some more, and obviously, folks can continue to ask us questions via uh, our Twitter lock at Lockdown Bucks and Lockdown Bucks at Gmail dot com. Um, but I would say. I'd say we. Uh, I can go to sleep happy tonight, knowing the Packers are four zero. You're a Texans fan, so I don't even know where you're at with uh, Texans being bad, but Bill O'Brien getting fired today. So at least, at least there's some positive there, and your A's lost too. So I don't know. I don't know if uh, you want the distraction of other sports right now. Maybe maybe you just want to keep talking about Bucks all day long, which uh, you know um, I, I find less less exciting right now, just because of the way things, things ended. But maybe that's not so bad compared to your other teams. Houston sports are killing me. The Texans suck, and the Astros, the dirty, stinking Astros, beats, uh, beat the A's in game one. But uh, hopefully by the time everyone's listening to this, the series is leveled up, and uh, we're feeling much better about that. The one thought that I'll leave the listeners with when it comes to the draft pick, and as Frank said, you can let us know 
uh, how you feel about it on Twitter and also at the Gmail account. With Big 24, the question that I would ask you, and you can decide this however you want, but are you going to, as Frank said, going to get a player that is actually going to crack the rotation next season? Uh, and if you're not, that's probably why, and next season or the year after, I remember this is you know a late first-round pick, because if you're not, I think it's well and truly worth testing the waters of what value uh, that can bring you. And if you have to throw that into a trade to make things work, and, and as sort of Frank pointed to, bring back a, a younger player perhaps, or yes, maybe the swing for the fences, I don't know, either way. I'm just not sure. And, and I probably just don't have that much faith in the fact that the Bucks are going to select the player that's going to become an impact player over the next uh, 12 to, to 24 months either way, based on what we've seen. And, you know, I can only go off the way that uh, the Bucks drafting has gone over the last few years. And I know there's been some dif- different uh, faces involved there, but uh, I'm, I'm doing the math. I'm doing the math. And I, I don't think, depending on the trade, I, w- I would be totally against uh, moving on from that pick. But, Frank, yeah, it's midnight. You're going to get some sleep. Yeah, I got a, I got a two-and-a-half-year-old, so time for me to fly. All right, we will leave it there. Like Frank said, you can continue to send through your thoughts, your emails, your questions as we continue to roll through this, but we are going to leave it there. For Frank and myself, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.